0: Love, hope, radio. Hello, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Poritz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people to discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission is to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams, and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com and follow me on twitter.com slash coachandrew. If you're listening live and you have a question, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. You'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press the number one, this will let me know you have a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in and ask questions there. My guest tonight, Tim Levy, is an Aussie, and he's calling in from halfway around the world. Tim is the author of The Life Summit, a culmination of Levy's experience and enlightenment, linking mind, body, spirit, and grounded business strategies. Tim is also a CEO, a producer, a TV show host, and an entrepreneur, and he has said, without exception, every dream that he's conceived has come to fruition in the real world. You can learn more about Tim Levy at www.thelifesummit.com. Tim, are you with me?
1: Absolutely, but let's just get it clear. It's morning over here.
0: <laughs> good morning, mate.
1: <laughs> exactly. You've got to start with good day and good morning and all that kind of good That's
0: stuff. That's right. Absolutely. Well, what time is it over there?
1: Uh, I guess it's, it's uh, sort of uh, about half past 11 in the morning, so it's just after breakfast and just before lunch, the very sensible time of day when everyone should be thinking about having a nap. I guess not everyone can do that.
0: No, no, sadly no.
1: <laughs> and wow. uh yeah.
0: That's awesome. So uh this is perhaps the longest distance uh call I've uh done on the show.
1: And you know, it's only last week I was in New York, so it would have been a local call then.
0: But no, no, we couldn't make that work. Oh well. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I love technology. So you are the author of The Life Summit, which I've had a chance to look through. I've read uh, parts of the book. I've not yet read it all. I'm sorry to tell you, but it's, it's what I've seen so far is terrific.
1: Well, I'm glad you've enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's meant to be an easy read. You know, it's not really a textbook. It's kind of, uh, you know, it's a little bit more fun than that. Have you had sort of a, a light and easy time reading it and the stories and stuff?
0: Oh, sure. Sure. I just ran out of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, fair enough. Okay. What can I tell you about it? Well, let's well first of all, uh, how did you come to write this book?
1: Well, you know, um, I've, uh, I've had a kind of a reasonably outrageous life, it turns out. Well, at least I feel that way. And uh, where, where a lot of the things that I've wanted to do in my life, which are you know, some of the trickier things to do, you know, get your own TV show, books, published albums, tours, stuff like that, um, a lot of the people around me started to ask questions after a while. They're like, well, how is it that you almost routinely get make these things happen? How, what, what gives? What's this about? And I'd say, well, you know, actually it's a specific thing that I do. And, you know, friends would come by and I'd spend a half a day or a day and take them through it. And eventually there were too many friends and they said, well, I can't, you know, I can't take up all my working life doing this. Um, uh, and they suggested I write it down. So it was very much a kind of book by request, is how I came to write this book.
0: Hmm. And it's and it's the the six the six steps. Did you? Correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you know that was one of those fun things where we were looking around for a little tag for the title and the publisher uh, out of New York. They came up with "Map Out the Life of Your Dreams in Six Easy Steps," which kind of sounds a little bit like something you might find on a packet of cornflakes, you know, <laughs> six, uh, six varieties of multi-grain guaranteed to make you healthy. Uh, but yeah, it is actually as simple as six steps. Uh, uh, it's actually kind of a really fun thing to do. What I find is when I'm doing talks and we start people on the first step right there in the, in the live appearances, mm-hmm. getting them to stop is the real problem. You know, Because once they start eating candy and getting out the crayons and mucking around with big sheets of paper, it's, uh, it's altogether too much fun.
0: So describe that experience.
1: Oh, well, you know, I've, I've had a great time. I've been uh, just in the last month, I spent most of April in the States. And in every city I went to, we did a couple of live events. And we'd get, you know, a bunch of people. And I, and I, I really am not a believer in telling people about stuff. I'm much more of a believer in showing people, you know, let's do it. And the way that this process works, it's kind of, it starts off, uh, uh, the idea of the Life Summit is that you're basically going to take a day out of your life as if you're doing, you know, like the G20 Summit that you guys host, I think, in New York? Mm -hmm. It's uh, kind of like that. It's like the G1, right? It's like the G Andrew, right? And um, you take that whole day to basically dwell on focus on and get outrageous clarity on really your perfect life and every facet of that so the first half of that is very very right brained it's about getting yourself in touch with that intuition that kind of fun in a child which is why i tend to throw bags of candy at the people at my talks because you know when you're eating that candy what, what was the candy that you ate when that when you were young and you know and it reminds me of your child it reminds you of your childhood what was that for you
0: Oh, I had a few, but the one that just popped into my head were those little orange and white cones that you get on Halloween. I don't know if you had them where you were.
1: Right, right, the Halloween cones, sure. So, you know, we bring a variety of candy along to the talks and we, we offer them to people to kind of get them into that childlike creative space. Because when you're a kid, you generally, you know what you want to do with your life. It's when you grow up and start to get reasonable and logical that that clarity kind of recedes, right? Sure. So, uh, so you get people into that. We get people into that childlike place. And also, you know, I like to get things written down. I like to get things out of your brain onto the page or into conversation. And um, to do that, most people, you know, they pull out a little clip pen out of their pocket and a little notepad about the size of, you know, four fingers, and they start. And I'm like, that's not. That's not fun. That's not childlike. You know, children love to write on the walls. Mm. you know we keep stopping them but that's what the, my kids still do that it's like come on guys but uh, short of what we actually had in Sydney we have a wall covered in glass so you can actually write on it which is kind of fun um, but short of that I just bring those you know those tabloid sized pieces of paper you know the ones I'm talking about sure yeah so we bring a bunch of them along and then we bring a bunch of uh, Sharpies, I guess you call okay. them. And uh, yeah. we have people pick out the color that, again, reminds them, reminds them of fun and creativity and imagination. And by the time we've mucked around kind of setting that up for a few minutes, they're kind of in that fun, playful space where they're really connected to their intuition and imagination. And really, the first step is just incredibly simple. Uh, and, and I like to use mind mapping. I like to use brainstorming, all those sorts of things. But you know, because we don't necessarily have time to teach all that in the first six minutes of the talk, we just kind of say, okay, cool. Whatever method you can, we want you to write down in a kind of diagrammatic, fun, mind-mapping way the answer to one question. And the question is, what would your perfect life look like in 10 years from now? And uh, people just start to go nuts, man. They, once they get this idea, they just start, you know, drawing and this perfect house and this awesome job. And they get, it turns out very excited and explicit about describing their perfect partner, that can get graphic. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and they're, you know, their perfect boat and their perfect shoes and their perfect car and all that kind of stuff. So the the uh, the talk can degenerate at that point into a little bit of a excited bunch of adults, you know, playing like their kids, which is kind of exactly what I love doing. So uh, you know, add a little bit of comedy to that, and and that's what our events are about.
0: Uh, where did the uh, where did you come up with the ten years? What was the basis for that? Well. It, <laughs> The fact is that it doesn't. It's kind of an arbitrary number. The thing that you want to do is you want to
1: unlock that part of you that starts trying to be reasonable. Mm-hmm. So if you said to someone, "What does your life look like in 12 months from now?" Well, then they start instantly, intuitively, to map forward from where they are right now. Right. So instead of saying, "What's the most outrageous, fantastic?" they kind of go, "Well." I'm earning uh, $76,000 now, so maybe I could earn $78,000 in 12 months. But that's only if my boss, you know, they start being right, logical right. on you. <laughs> and the fact is that, that dreams are not logical. You know, they're just not. So, you know, I was mucking around doing this over the course of time, and 10 years out seemed to be far enough out that everyone knew anything can happen in 10 years. You know, it's not far enough out that you're like half dead. You know, you're at the other end of the game. It's just far enough out that anything is possible. So in a way, it's arbitrary. But 10 years is just that length of time that seems to let people just let go and say, all right, anything's possible. Man, I want a million dollars in the bank. I want three red Ferraris. I want, you know, whatever. And by the way, people do not always go for possessions. I, I should, I don't want to be misleading you there because mm-hmm. this is a very personal thing. So people are, you know, I want... You know, some children, or, you know, a little boy and a little girl, or I want a great relationship. Lots of women are after the perfect man, it turns out, and that perfect man looks different to every single woman. Um, Have so, any of you know, them described no, me, by the way? No, <laughs> well, actually, one was really cool. She, uh, she got really specific. It took a while to pull it out of her, but she described uh, her perfect man, and one of the criterion was an Olympic athlete. Are you, in fact... An Olympic athlete.
0: I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, I'm not an Olympic <laughs> athlete.
1: <laughs> well, uh, that's one. What's the other one? I'm trying to remember. There was a, a lovely, uh, a, a, what is you know? I, I get become friends with these, some of these people. Um, a, a great friend of mine in Austin, I know she was after the perfect man. I'm trying to remember the criterion uh,
0: of exactly what that was.
1: You know, I, I don't know. I'll send, uh, I'll send her your photo, and we'll see what happens.
0: Oh, okay. I was really just being silly, but that would be funny. Yeah, sure. What is the most uh, outrageous thing that you can remember that somebody threw out?
1: Uh, You know, people are great this way. And, uh, you know, if I could just go backwards a little before this last tour where I was doing this, you know, because, you know, when you've got a tour, you've got a couple of hours to talk to people uh, and there's six steps. We might get into like that first step and really kind Mm -hmm. of get engaged in that. The other five steps, which are to do with kind of, I'll, I'll say, left-braining, bringing, bringing it back into reality and mm-hmm. mapping out some possible paths and so forth, we don't necessarily get to. But when I work one-on-one with someone, uh, we get to do the whole thing. And in, in particular, uh, uh, I've been doing this uh, in Sydney for a little while, and, and one of my clients, um, when I released the book, uh, she was sort of a reviewer, and she read the book, and she's like, I want to do this. She came by, and we spent the day, uh, actually in the room that I'm in standing in right now, and we mapped out all of her stuff. And one of the criteria she had was, was this this perfect man. And, and he, it, I, I thought it was great because we really got specific. And it did turn out that she uh, wrote down about 10 things, one of which was to be an Olympic athlete. And I love it because it's sort of so outrageous, you know? You know, how many Olympic athletes are there, let alone single, let alone, <laughs> you know, running around Sydney? And uh, what was so great was, uh, you know, there's a process sort of designed to kind of I want to say release that. These things come in their own way, in their own form. You're not always, you know, it's not always the way that you think things are going to happen. In fact, I think most of the time things turn up in a way that you don't think it's going to happen. So about a month later, she calls me up and she says, you know, the most amazing thing happened. Uh, Some friends of mine put me onto a dating site, put my profile out there, and uh, I had, you know, these guys email me back, and sure enough, the one I was interested in, uh, one of the criteria on his profile was Olympic athletes. <laughs> awesome. That was about yeah, that was about three four months ago, and uh, I believe they're still going strong. So you know that was an outrageous thing that was asked for and received. So you know these things happen.
0: So the, so could you go through like briefly the, what the you, this, these six steps are?
1: Yeah, sure, of course. So that first step is. To basically ask and answer that question of what is your perfect life? What does it look like in every detail in 10 years? So, uh, for example, you know, houses and cars and, you know, relationships and possessions and spirituality and love life and everything in between. That's the first step. And to do that, you want to be in that nice creative place. You've actually, I I talk about asking the left brain to actually leave the room. And sometimes they go and open the door and usher it out uh, (laughs) because that, well, really, the left brain comes back, and and it's it's kind of a bit of a saboteur when it comes to brainstorming. So, sort of like the opposite of
0: Passover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Where you let Elijah. So, yeah. If anybody so, knows what I'm talking about? That's okay It's okay if they don't.
1: That's a little, little Jewish joke there. Yes, little Jewish. Joke. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a lady, I should know all of those jokes. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, you know, you do that first step and that's fun. I mean, that can, you can take hours once you really get into that. And the way I like to do it uh, is I encourage people, uh, you know, I do it with people or, or I encourage people to do that in little pairs, little buddy pairs where one person is kind of pulling that out of the other person. So you, you kind of, you know, this is drawn out of you, this amazing dream. And then maybe have a little break and go into the sort of the second half of the day, which is really all the other steps. And in the second half of the day, you start getting a little left brain about it. So the right brain can be around, but really the left brain, now it's your time to come back into the room. Let's quantify this. Let's be specific. So, okay, if we had that you want a million dollars in 10 years, step two is where do you want to be in five years? Mm-hmm. And it's easy if you've got a million dollars in 10 years. Maybe you want to be at half a million dollars in five years.
0: And you go around
1: that chart that you created, that mind map you created, and, and you know link by link, you translate it back into kind of a, what you'd call a halfway result or a five-year result. That's step two. Step three, now you're starting to get a bit more in your actual immediate future. Let's map it out for a year from now. So, uh, for example, one of the things in my life chart – is I love having these kind of outrageous life experiences. I like, you know, skiing and scuba diving and riding horses and stuff. And I think I rode out about 20 for my 10-year thing. So my five-year thing had about 10 of them, and then my one-year thing, you know, I, I wasn't prepared to. Comp- I wanted like three of them in the first year,
0: mm-hmm. and a
1: couple of them, like scuba diving for me, uh, then had to be a certain season. Like I really only wanted to do that in the summer. So step uh, step four, if you've done. If you've done 10 years out, five years out, one year out, step four is now to knock that down to kind of a bit of a month-by-month thing. And in that sense, I sort of said, you know, scuba diving in the summer and horse riding in the winter, you know, and you start to kind of time things a little bit. Uh, And you've taken this outrageous huge dream and kind of broken it down into achievable. Achievable is not even the right word, just kind of, you know, something you can wrap your head around kind of uh, uh, sorts of things. And then I kind of almost go the other way for five and six, which is step five is I talk about what is a perfect day. What would be a perfect day for you, a weekday, a weekend day? Because, again, people don't really bring this to their consciousness. They just kind of get up and eat their cereal and have a shower and get into the car and whatever without kind of thinking what would be Great, what would be awesome? What would make this day perfect? So we go into a process around perfect day and then step six is perfect week. And within that perfect week, the idea is to kind of routinely check in on the one year out, the five year out, and the 10 year out so that what you're doing through this whole process is really simple. And this is very principles of attraction stuff now. You're bringing into your consciousness again and again, which is to say consistently, an absolute focused and clear picture of your perfect life. If you can do that consistently, you can do it unambiguously. These things just start to show up in their own way, and that's kind of the magic of it: is it starts to just kind of happen in uh, generally outrageous and really fun ways.
0: But you, know, that's you six know, when you're talking about the perfect day or the perfect week, are these like the the single perfect days, single perfect weeks? So is is this uh, something you're you're creating as a yeah ongoing perfect day or is, is this a sort of yeah?
1: More, for me, it, like wherever it is that you start, what you're looking for is that ongoing perfect day or perfect mm. week. So, uh, for, for example, okay. in my own perfect week, I should say, in perfect day within that week, you know, I don't like to get up before seven. Now, I have very young children, Okay. So my perfect day doesn't a perfect day doesn't always happen. Right. <laughs> You know, But in an ideal world, I'm up at seven and I've got myself a couple of hours to you know, do a bit of drive kids to school, have a bit of breakfast and spend a little time with the family. In particular, I'm a kind of a big meditator so and I like to do it at the lake. So getting up, walking with my boys to the lake, they play on the swings, I take 10 minutes to meditate, we get back in time. You know, These are parts of the picture of my perfect day that I can do every day. You know, now, I don't necessarily get to do it every day, but because I've got a nice map, Uh, you know sitting on my wall of what the perfect day looks like at least it's brought back to my consciousness again and again and every time i do that it just becomes a little closer to manifesting so you know it's yeah it's more that ongoing thing and then ongoing perfect week sort of coming up with a framework if you will and then you you can sort of block into that you know working things and so forth i'm a i'm a bit of a time manager when it comes down to it you know making sure you actually get to everything
0: and what's your process for that
1: well, uh, you know, again, it starts off in that very right-brain, creative place. So, again, for me, mind mapping's great. The reason I like mind mapping, and I'm getting that you're very familiar with it, mm-hmm. is m- mind mapping is very messy. You know, it's very organic. It's very this thought linked to that. Oh, hang on, scribble that out, add that, draw this, link that in. Colorful crayons, sharpies, whatever. And to be honest, that kind of mess is a good reflection of my brain and I think probably most people's brains. Um, so I start there. So I start with clients and say, all right, what sorts of things might be in your perfect day? You know, do you want to sleep? Yeah, put that up. All right, how much sleep? Uh, six hours. Okay, cool. Do you want to... And they start ripping out of their brains all these cool things that they love to do, whether it's on a weekend or a weekday or whatever. So we kind of get them up in that very creative place and pull, them, pull all these things out of people in that very creative... Again, you know, you're eating that Halloween candy... And once we've done the right brain and got, you know, I, I don't think you ever get to absolute completion, but got, got them to the point where they feel like,
0: you know, that's
1: 80% of what would come up in a, in a good day for me. Uh, and then kind of map it back into a sort of left brain process where we take the mind map and we put it into, in my case, I like to quite like to use Excel. You know, once something's on a computer in Excel... Man, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's as left-brained as it can be.
0: Sure. <laughs> and you
1: can, you can put columns and times and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. So there's a process to do that. Again, uh, for want of a better way of putting it, it's uh, laid out blow-by-blow blow, uh, uh, somewhere in the book there and, uh, and, and pretty easy to do.
0: So I like how you're, you know, you're using, as you said, the left and the right brain in these two very, very distinct types of ways.
1: Hmm. Absolutely.
0: Um, you now you talk a lot about brainstorming. Yeah, what's, yeah, absolutely. What's your, what would you say is like the best way for people to brainstorm?
1: Ah, that's a good question. Well, firstly, I th- my feeling about brainstorming is brainstorm is ninety percent preparation. I don't know if everyone else agrees with that, but if you go into brainstorming and you're like, I don't know, you've you've, you've you're at your cubicle and in your office and there's a laptop sitting to you and there's a gray, you know the gray cubicles I'm talking about? Oh, sure. Right, where there's like yeah. 300 people in a room mm-hmm. and uh, there's people all talking around you and someone's got the radio and there's a TV monitor showing CNN, you know, all that kind of, that. that's like, don't, why even start? That's no good. So for me, the first thing about brainstorming is to make sure that you kind of, it's almost a ritual to get prepared for it. So, Find a great place. That place may or may not be, you know, the office boardroom in your office. I tend to think it's not. When I'm doing brainstorming with executive teams, I take them out of there. I've done brainstorming sitting on the steps by a lighthouse. I've done brainstorming in a tree of, a circle of redwood trees uh, in California. I've done brainstorming in facilities that are made for that. And almost always it feels like this big kind of grown-up version of, of a play school, you know, colorful, fun, bean bags. You know, lots of creative materials, post-it notes of every color, Sharpies, paper, butcher's paper, stickers, you know, just all kinds of fun, creative stuff. And man, it's got to be fun, creative food. I mean, you just, I don't know about you, but I don't get that creative eating spam, you know? It's just, it just doesn't get me there. You know, so that's why I like this idea of getting foods that are, uh, you know, remind you of your childhood. Sometimes when I have a, I guess I'm doing the one-on-one day with people, I'll, I'll, they'll turn up at the door, and they're ready to come in, man. They're ready to start. I'm like, we're going out. And I hand them a 20, which in my country is colored red as all $20 notes should be colored. <laughs> and uh, take them down to the Safeway and, uh, you know, let them at the, uh, at the candy aisle and just say, just buy everything that your mum would not let you eat.
0: Mm. You know, if you're an adult.
1: Here's a 20. Go nuts. And, uh, you know, people just start to kind of relax and laugh and there's a bit of music maybe, and, you know, crazy people dance. You know, just kind of get into that really fun place. If there are other people there as well, and sometimes in brainstorming that's the case, you know, you want to connect with them in that place. Um, Sometimes I kind of put up posters, and they say stuff like, you know, think stupid, and there's nothing. The key thing about brainstorming is to be non-judgmental. Who knows what idea is going to spark off what other idea is going to spark off another idea. The only word that's illegal in, in brainstorming is no. You know, and unfortunately, it's the it's the word that most people have on speed of dial. You know,
0: it kind of reminds so, um, me of. Um, I, I love to talk about uh, improvisation, meaning improvisational oh, yeah. theater acting, and that's the oh, yeah. the key word there that you don't say is no.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because maybe we have a shared background. I've got a somewhat of a background out of improv as well, and I talk to people a lot about blocking a scene versus you know yes and. It's yes it's amazing and. how. Yeah, it's amazing how few people apply this to their lives and how blocked they get because of it. And a brainstorm is the first place where, you know, you've got someone in the room who's always going, no, nah, that won't work. The whole thing is over before you start you gotta, You've got to kill keelhaul that person, make them walk the plank immediately, you know. And if it's not a person, if it's just a part of your brain, then again, just gently opening the door and saying, you know, your time will come later, left brain. Thank you, but not now. And, get uh, out and of just coming yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> and I say to my clients when I'm doing this every day, I say the first time it happens, I'm going to invite your left brain gently to leave. The second time, I'll be less patient. By about time number six, I'm going to be yelling at you. You're just going to make me mad, you know, because that left brain is persistent. It really mm-hmm. is in coming back and trying to apply itself to whatever you're dreaming up. It's just not the right
0: time. Yeah, but the problem is. Um... I was just doing an impression of my left brain. <laughs> exactly.
1: That's how that left brain sounds, right?
0: Yeah, pretty much. So I, I feel like I wanted to pull out like like phrases out of your book and see what you say about them.
1: Oh, sure. Now bear in mind, I will try to remember them all.
0: <laughs> That's okay.
1: Uh, also, I'll tell you this other part of the process before you do and I'm, I'm sure. 200% open to this. It sounds like fun, but I'll say this as well, which is I wrote the book, and bear in mind that while i've lived in america i'm you know i'm i'm living in sydney right now and so there are a fair few things that didn't translate so we actually gave it to an editor out of new york and she changed you know things like i would call the bush which i'm pretty sure is rude in america that's <laughs> just a, what we what, what call pen. the woods or the forest you know <laughs> so if if you if you give me a phrase i'm like i never wrote that that's just cuz the editor put it in but you go ahead
0: oh that's pretty funny okay so Wild
1: dreams. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, for me, this is almost, this is birthright stuff. You know, if your dreams aren't wild, then they're not really dreams. I think people just get, they get locked into what they think is possible. Uh, And that that just limits you incredibly. For me, I'm all about wild dreams. I'm always wanting to know what, I mean, that's one thing we do in the talk as well. I just want to know, what are your crazy, wild, outrageous dreams? Uh, Don't worry about how to get to them. Just what are the dreams? And keeping them in your life is so important.
0: So actually, what is the wildest dream you have had that you have made happen?
1: Oh, yeah, my TV show probably was the one. When that happened, I remember exactly uh, I was um,
0: – I,
1: I kind of really like genuine people. So I at this particular place where I was doing some consulting over the course of a couple of years, doing sort of exec coaching kind of stuff, I used to hang out in the warehouse, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, at lunchtime because I like the guys in the warehouse, whatever, that's just me. So I'm, I'm in the warehouse and there's all this kind of shelves and racks and stuff in front of me and I'm leaning, I'm taking this call from Channel 9, which is kind of like uh, uh, NBC. Okay. It's, kind of, uh, it's kind of the biggest uh, television network in Australia. And there's like three and that's the big one. And um, I had pitched them the second season of my kids' TV show, which had already been on on cable. But to be on national free-to-air television is kind of night and day, you know, uh, you know, you all of a sudden get to ten times as many people and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, who am I? Some kid, right, um, who's put this show together on my own, I'm hosting the show, it's great, it's comedy, it's for children, etc. And um, I just had the dream that I wanted to do it. I didn't really think too hard about whether you could or not, although I got lots of advice saying you couldn't and you needed to be a production company and have millions of dollars and all this crap. I'm like, oh, I don't care. And, uh, I remember the day I got the call and I'm standing in the warehouse and I was so shocked when the guys said that, okay, we're going to do it and we're going to send over the paperwork and the contracts. I remember just, I just fell backwards against the column and just, just laid out flat on the ground. I was just so absolutely stunned. So that's probably the one dream for me that was so out of, out of possible. <laughs> You know, that when it happened, I was just knocked down by it. And I think it's almost like since then, all the other things I've, I've wanted to do, uh, you know, for example, even the story of this one book, uh, which has been pretty cool, uh, it's almost like, okay, I, I understand now that achieving the impossible kind of routinely is something that definitely happens for me. So, but that was a pretty outrageous one that had happen, um, you know, in the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, I don't know if there's anything that you could, uh, you know, reveal without, uh, you know, outing anybody. But uh, any wild dreams that uh, have come through to you, like from a client or someone, where well, you've oh, been yeah. able to make that happen, well, yeah, not absolutely. you've been able, but you've been able to, yeah. help them.
1: I've been able to, yeah, you know, and I would say I'm kind of a a very sweetly invited guest, you know, uh, into the process. So yeah, I mean, what happens is people come, we do the day. They get absolutely clear, they walk away you know with a you know somewhat of a map. they sometimes we don't even get past the first step on that day. I mean that's how involved it gets and without naming names because there's absolutely confidentiality, uh, you know people have great outrageous dreams. one I liked one story I liked was uh, this particular individual um, was in a spot where they had really serious family issues um, there in this case, there were some children involved, and they were kind of at, do you know what?" Does at-risk translate? Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. These kids were at-risk. There were drugs and homelessness and so forth and all these sorts of things involved. Uh, And uh, also this person had been in a a pretty terrible financial situation for like 20 or 30 years. Uh, And what we realized as we were mapping out what perfection would look like was that part of it was that uh, she'd been hanging on to some property and trying to kind of maintain the payments. And uh, a lot of people, once they get into property situations, they just... You know, they're kind of locked in and they don't think of what could I do that's different. They just think how do I make the next payment, right? And uh, so we decided well, I should say we drew out of this person and, and then realized that, you know, it might be good to move that and to shift what's happening with her property. And most, when you think of selling property, it takes some time, right? Sure. So <clears throat> without saying anything to anyone, she went home. She decided that she was going to do this. She went home. She, uh, and 24 hours later, she called me up and she said, You wouldn't believe what's happened. I went, Oh, yeah, you know, try me because this, this happens kind of routinely. I love these stories. They always come back in the next sort of 24, 48 hours from doing this with me, let alone the months after. She said, Look, I got into the lift in my apartment building and there was a person moving in. And the person said, uh, Hey, are you the person from, you know, whatever the apartment was, 12C? And she went, Yeah. She said, and the person said, Well, it's, it's you know, I, I know, I don't really know you, but. The person above you in 13C, did you know that that person wants to buy your apartment? And she's like, "What are you talking about? My apartment is not on sale. I, you know, I've only thought of that literally in the last 24 hours." And didn't say that to the person next to them. And they said, "Oh yeah, it turns out the woman above has been renting her apartment in 13C, and is absolutely just really loves that format. Just really wants that apartment at that level in the building." With, you know, with that layout in that configuration and she wants to buy her apartment. And uh, from one day to the next, this person went from you know, financial 30 years of pain to basically making a deal and, and you know, basically selling her apartment you know, after the escrow and mucking around. It was, it was a month or two and then she took that. At the same time, her family out of almost nowhere, the kids just started to show up, call up and start turning. And that wasn't something you can influence. It just happened and it happened with not one but all three of the children. Just this clarity. this something happens. I can't describe you more than to say that it works. And this person's life was turned around. She wound up taking a 12-month holiday uh, in another part of the planet which I believe she's still there right now.
0: <laughs> that is
1: amazing. It just, these things happen whether it's relationships, whether it's fertility, whether it's, you know, this stuff really does work in any aspect of your life. And you know, I'm, preaching to the converted here. You know how this stuff works.
0: I do, and and I oh, am uh, also knowing that people who listen to this show may not necessarily be those people who are converted, and that's but well, we're converting them.
1: There you go. <laughs> well, the thing for me is about it is it's the re- it's the results that are addictive. You know, Absolutely. whatever it is that's happening, I'm kind of almost I don't really mind you know, uh, whether you sort of take the, the the principles of attraction model and that brings true for you, whether you, some uh, clients of mine call it um, uh, internal attraction, something to do with their subconscious working. I'm like, great, whatever works for you, you know, whatever you want to call it, what is true is, what's been true for me and my clients and the people I've worked with
0: is it works. It just
1: does. So, you know, that's, that's the addictive bit.
0: Well, that works for me.
1: <laughs> good. Exactly. I saw your pro- when I when I read your uh, profile, it was just like, man, this guy's on the same
0: page. <laughs> That's uh, how I felt when I got your book.
1: Yeah, cool. Well, next time in New York, man, we'll have to have to catch up and and have that uh, diner in uh, breakfast in the diner. I believe is what I like to do in New York.
0: Oh, sure. I'm I I know all the good diners and and some of the bad ones. Not too many yeah. bad ones, <laughs> actually. Um, yeah. And of course they're, they're all Greek to me <laughs>
1: sorry, and what, I, and your... I should ask though what uh, what about you so tell me some of your own experiences? I mean, you're working with people. what sort of outrageous stories do you have? I'm totally curious
0: uh, uh stories from myself do you mean yeah, from
1: yourself or your clients that you can you know talk about without giving away too much
0: um well i ha- I have a uh you know a client who uh oh uh, here's a great one um I, ha- I have a client. Oh, I had a client for a good chunk of time, about a year and a half, and one of the things that we created a uh, a map, like a not a mind map, really a visual, uh, you know, a board, okay. a vision board. Couldn't think of the word. It was a vision board, mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. similar. And one of the things on her board was a uh, a picture of a piece of property in Israel, and um, all of a sudden one day, like. It something shifted from this board into her brain, and she wound up uh she wound up moving to israel out <laughs> of and this is not in her like even in her list of things to do when we right. first started talking and the the place that she wound up in was uh you know it was it was like that story in the secret you know the movie right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, guy yeah. who wound up buying the house that was on his board didn't even know it. Uh, yes. So it was kind of like that. It's like that's the view that I have. Right.
1: The view uh, that she
0: has is on uh, that picture. Like she didn't even realize it, but it it, yeah. it cre- created this thing in her mind, and then she wound up creating the, the 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 desire and the plan, and then somewhere along the way, that subconscious thought created exactly what she had on that board.
1: Absolutely. I find it's, it's interesting you say that as well, this this notion that people almost need to forget before these things show up because what I find is that a lot of work I do with people, if I'm working with people over time, and I don't, I don't really do too much of that, but you know what I find is it's, we need to help them, and you'll relate to this, get out of their own way. People are constantly getting in their own way. Mm -hmm. Um, the, The thing I've noticed that people do is they get extremely attached to one specific way for a result to show up in their life. And when they do, it's like ruling out every other possibility. It's like saying, you know, here is the one way that this can happen that I'm prepared to accept. And the billions and countless other ways that that could manifest just kind of get, you know, canceled out. So when you can get people out of their way enough, to sort of let this amazing stuff happen. Uh, it seems to show up even more strongly than when people kind of try to control it too hard. Have you have you found that?
0: Well, sure. And also, uh, there's something interesting of you know between how the conscious and unconscious mind works, and where it w- if you're too aware of something, if you're being too conscious about something, yeah, you know, you're doing every step and you notice everything you're doing. You know, like sort of like that. If you you know that talk about um, being consciously incompetent and, and conscious competence and all that. Yeah. But there is. Um, I have. I'll give you an example. I'm a I'm a singer. Sometimes I go. I get up and I sing. And I I've uh, sung in clubs and with with uh, bands. And sometimes I'll just go somewhere and sing. And uh, there would, I will find that there's sometimes I've had a moment where I notice what I'm doing. This may sound really strange, <laughs> but I notice like what I'm doing no. and then I can't quite do it because like, what the hell am I? I can't do this. What am I nuts? And then like, everybody's looking at me and I, wait a minute, yeah. I have to, what's the words for the song? What the heck am I doing? And it's like that, oh, yeah. that very strange space. And, and when I'm, and, and it's like an unconscious place, what is like what they call in the zone where you're not even really thinking, you're just doing. Or being, yeah, yep. you're just being, yeah. and that's when I'm like, when I, I when I do that and I get off, and people go, "Wow, who are you? That was amazing." Completely yeah. different, yeah, completely the, different realities.
1: Yeah, I could just I could just see you do. I mean, you know, it's the same for everyone, but I can see you with that. You know, the whole thing's happening, and all of a sudden you're like, "Huh?" And the, just the perspective shifts, and in that moment. Uh, you know doubt creeps in or whatever and just everything changes and the trick is to i guess get back into the zone
0: yeah not always
1: possible when people are chucking stuff throwing stuff at you i hate
0: i hate that you know except that sometimes (laughs) i need tomatoes but but here's a great example i'll give you a great example of like how the brain can really play tricks on you there was this time when i went i went skiing for the first time in my life um and I had never been skiing before. I did. I had gone skating many times. I took skating classes, and I was, you know, a bicyclist, so I have really good, you know, strong legs. And um, I, so I went with my friend. We're in New Hampshire. We did the bunny slope, you know, the the very baby right, slope. Right. Yeah, I know the very sure. Yeah. And then, you know, after a couple of times, like the guy came over to us and said, you know, you, you guys. Don't need to be the you can you you have you can go, do whatever you want to do y you, you you're free to go, have a good day you know. Oh cool! So we go around skiing you know and then we do a couple of a couple of slopes and then I see this sign that says Black Diamond. I go oh
1: oh yeah.
0: I have guitar strings called Black Diamond. Let's try this one. <laughs> and my friend goes oh, you know okay that sounds good so we do this Black Diamond thing, you know and I'm like. You know Jean-Claude Keeley going down this mountain at uh, you know 90 miles an hour, and this is like exhilarating. It was amazing. This is so much fun. Yeah. Uh, and then I ran, in, and then after that we ran into the, uh, the our hosts for this uh, this weekend, and they said, "Oh, where you guys been? Oh, we just went down this black diamond. Black diamond? Are you crazy? You could have gotten killed. You know." You know, got all upset about it. <laughs> and now, and now I have this new thought in my head. That's very different from the original thought, which was like, hey, I could do this. Um, and when I did the same hill again, I now have this thought, you know, it's kind of like the, the, those cartoons, you know, with with like the, the the Bugs Bunny or somebody walks over, they're walking over a cliff and they keep walking into space and, wait, you right, can't do that. Right. I can't. Ah. So now every five feet I fell. Because uh, I yeah, no longer have this thought. Uh, Everything yeah. shifted.
1: Yeah, and the whole thing looks different too, even when you're there, you know. So it's not like before when you're just screaming down, so it's like, yeah, off I go. And now the second time you're looking, it's like, wow, this looks dangerous. This is dangerous. What's going on?
0: Yeah. Right. Everything yeah. changed. Or just from, I no longer have the belief, and I have a completely different mindset. I could, though, that the, the old left brain uh, took yeah. over the skis.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and left brain's not so good at skiing, it turns no. out.
0: No, terrible skier. <laughs> <laughs> not a, not an olympic no, I, champion either.
1: I I it's interesting and what's funny uh, about this as well is that I would love to tell you that I was uh, that you know I'm like well I've learned that once and uh having learned it once I uh <laughs> I never have that problem again. I'm awesome. In fact the truth is it just keeps coming up. It's like the more you learn it, the more outrageous your dreams become and the more kind of when that shift happens like I came back from the states I guess I left New York uh, like four days ago, so whatever that was, Friday or something, and uh, came back, met with my family, terrific, so I hadn't seen them for a bit. We'd been Skyping every day, but still, you know, just that first hug from your kids, terrific. Get home, we hang out for a weekend, and then on the Monday morning, I'm like, great, I've just learned so much, and I, 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 did my, I kind of compulsively do the life-summit process for myself, so I'm, bam, I've got, you know, 20 pages up on the wall. And somehow or other, don't ask me exactly how, somehow I'm like, holy cow, how am I going to do all that? You know, because all of a sudden my ambition has extended by a multiple of five because all these cool things have happened when I'm in the States and, you know, book sales of 50000 is no longer enough, you know. <laughs> and uh, and it just somehow it freaked me out and I just remember sitting on the couch kind of going, you know, just in that total left brain place, how is this going to work? What on earth is going to, oh my God, I'm going to need so much money just to do the promotional tours you know, and each one's going to cost 30 grand and I need to do six in the next year and that's 200 grand and I don't have that. You know, all this sort of stuff starts happening. And uh, uh, and all I can say is these days, thankfully, it only takes generally a matter of hours, days if I'm being really stupid, to actually kind of go, huh, and just stop, <laughs> generally sit and meditate, something like that that completely clears my mind and takes me out of that place and into kind of, just at least a neutral position my wife is terrific because she kind of slaps me she's like what are you doing you know how this stuff works you wrote the damn book you know (laughs) (laughs) she keeps throwing the book at me now i don't know if i'd known that if i would have written the book you know
0: (laughs) i was just thinking that Uh, no that's that's so great you can like you you can never pretend you don't know now guess you wrote the book well
1: supposedly exactly So, uh, but you know, you can disconnect from it, and uh, and I and I did. You know, in the last three days, what was great is I now know a little bit about how to get out of it. So went into meditation. It's a great meditation I do. Got back to neutral, slept on it, woke up, and just started kind of. Breaking it down into stuff that felt less impossible and backed it off from a t- what actually was really a ten-year plan, but I was looking at it like it was a you know ten-day plan. Mm. Back it off a little bit, reframe it, kind of get it to where I want. And just and just then released it. And what's great is then again, and I've had this experience so many times now, it's just kind of it's very normal for me. But you know, within the course of twenty or eight uh, or sorry, twenty-four or forty-eight hours, already things shifted so radically that all these things that I want, I can now see the path to them. But
0: that's the thing that locks
1: a lot of people, it locks me too, is that when you can't see the path, that you tend to get freaked out. Um, and just releasing and going, just because I can't see how, doesn't mean it ain't going to happen, doesn't, shouldn't, you know, in any way distress me. It's just,
0: I can't see how, I
1: don't know everything. Uh, and uh, releasing to that is, is something that's a little bit tricky. <laughs> he said, um, yeah. but, uh you know when you can do it, it's a, a it's a great thing, and 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 comes back to the place of you know when I'm talking to you now, I'm feeling great about everything. But you know, 24 hours ago, this is a different interview.
0: Well, I'm glad it's no, now I'm that. kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have another one I'm going to throw at you.
1: Oh, yeah. I, ha- I have a
0: feeling this one might be from your uh, your editor. That we'll find out. Uh, okay, actually, this this will definitely stump you when I the way I'm going to put it. I just want to see what you right. how you react to this. Uh, there's a there's a, a paragraph where you prove Bob Dylan wrong.
1: Oh yeah, I have no idea. that Bob Dylan. I would have definitely written someone else. Okay. <laughs> so, but go ahead read me if you've got the sentence or something. Yes,
0: you said uh, the answer is written. You said the answer is not blowing in the wind.
1: Oh yeah, this rings a bell, but I'm sure that was a total replacement sentence. I'm so sorry to
0: disappoint you. I can't uh, remember where that was. That really just like you know you tripped off, You know that that just I noticed that one just because of course that's a that's a big that was a big tune here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess Deb, I have to sh- shout out to Deb in New York. Thanks for putting that one in, Deb. And now <laughs> lot, I can't Deb. remember. It.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it was, you were talking about um, uh, when you were 21, finishing up college. You had the urge to live your life in a more deliberate, conscious, and intentional manner. Yeah.
1: Now I remember. So what, the story around that was this. I, uh, I guess I'm, you could call me a fairly creative person and I, and I really feel like you could relate to this because if you're on stage and singing and doing that stuff that's a really creative process and mm-hmm. you know anyone in particular who's you know in that artistic creative and I think that's part of everybody but some people really kind of live it and when I was you know a, a student that was happening and I was doing all kinds of comedy stuff a lot of stand-up a lot of improv a lot of stage shows musicals uh, all a lot of reviews sketch comedy all that kind of stuff and I just kind of I want to say living from moment to moment. And I had, you know, big dreams of what I was going to do in my life. I mean, I'm a, I think I was, you know, a fairly normal 20-year-old. I want all this cool stuff to happen. But I didn't really, you know, none of it happened in, in a particular hurry. I was kind of working my way slowly through a degree in computer science as it happens. And uh, in, on the sort of the computer, the, the video editing creative sides of computer science, mm-hmm. which back then there wasn't much of and uh, I was just kind of a free spirit, you know, I'd go to the beach. I lived at New South Wales University in Sydney, which is kind of near the, near the water. And, you know, just cruise around on the weekends, whatever. So what would happen was because I was in that kind of very happy-go-lucky place, I was getting very happy-go-lucky response, right? So I wasn't really focused on anything in particular. And I just, you know, I'd want more money or not more money. And I'd, one week I'm, I've got $10 to pay for food and the next week I've got $200 to pay for food. And uh, for me at that point, planning, the idea of strategy or planning or the word plan would have definitely been a four-letter word. I don't want to plan. I want a weekend. I want a weekend that goes forever, you know. And the weekends for me are the opposite of planning. It's wake up and what do you feel like doing, you know, and who's around and what's happening and off you go. So for me, planning was incredibly counterintuitive because it was too logical and reasonable. I was in that very creative space. I guess a lot of uh, young people at university or college, I guess I should say are in and what happened was that uh, my dad uh, who is already gone through all of that and he's a a terrific guy who's sort of been an executive for a very long time and he uh, took me along to an Anthony Robbins one day seminar. Have you ever been to one of those?
0: I have indeed. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, so I went to whatever the first day thing is. I've never been to anything more than that, but I went to that first day, and I was just, it was like a rock concert, man. It was awesome. Oh, yeah.
0: Did, did and, you walk uh, on fire? Uh,
1: no, I guess that, you have to have a couple of days to do that. This was okay. just the one-day thing. Oh, an introduction, of, Like the,
0: gotcha. in, the introduction to, yeah.
1: to, to this stuff. And uh, But I just remember that thing where he um, he, just, he just claps his hands or something. It's like a big sort of thing, and the whole audience got into it, and it was, was really cool. To be honest, it was un-Australian. Australians don't get that worked up. Mm. It was very kind of American, which was uh, kind of cool actually. And uh, he was talking all about strategy and planning and, and sort of getting clear on what you want and all that kind of stuff in, in his in his own way, and uh, which, which doesn't sort of come from a, a metaphysical context or at least it didn't in, at, at that time. Uh, in fact, it had nothing to do with spirituality or religion or anything like that. It was very kind of uh, left brain really, and. I kind of somehow or other something clicked and uh, a friend of mine in the States at the time, he kind of somehow from some other angle had decided to get into it too and all of a sudden the two of us who were buddies were like, you know, we're going to do this. Let's try this. And what was amazing was uh, again, as I was talking before, what I got addicted to was the results. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, stuff that had seemed really annoying to me before, like planning, you what? You want to tell me what to do hour by hour? That's appalling. I don't want that. All of a sudden, I just became addicted to the traction. All of a sudden, I was doing the work I needed to do for university in like a fraction of the time, and I was leaving all this great time for free time to have that long day at the beach. you know. And uh, I got really clear about what I wanted work-wise, and stuff started to show up. It was very interesting because I knew nothing about the principles of attraction at the time, but just the process of consistent focus. And I was very unambiguous about it because, you know, I was a kid. I didn't have doubt and fear just yet, uh, really. And it started to work. So that's what that was about, was about going, uh, that's what that quote was about, was going from that very organic place, which I thought was the best place in the world, to the better place, which is having these really uh, uh, conscious and uh, consistent focus, on, on desire and, and having that show up, which I found, frankly, uh, in the end, far more exciting and desirable and, and fulfilling um, than just kind of floating about like a student. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and by the way, if you ever have a chance to go to the Anthony Robbins all, like, all weekend thing, oh, yeah, plenty of right brain stuff in there. Let me tell you, uh, the experience of uh, the firewalk alone was a tremendously incredible. I mean, I can't even begin to describe this this moment of walking on fire, I
1: don't know if you've ever yeah, got do keen, a fire walk i'm
0: keen, I'm keen to get out
1: to Fiji. that sounds pretty cool, yeah, and you know spend a spend week. I've been told some amazing things about that, so you know one day <laughs> one day here's uh, my thing. one day Anthony's be like Tim, uh, I've seen your work, and I'd like you to be my guest
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you never know he might he you might never be know for you. Strange things I'll, actually. I'll, I'll speak uh, to him. I'll, I'll tell him tell you need to give you a call.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Hey. This is what's been so weird about this, um, this last trip in the States is this is what's exactly started to happen. Uh, instead of like, let's see if we can book events, uh, the next trip I'm doing I think is almost exclusively people who've come and seen what I've been doing and said, all right, come speak to our company, come speak to our group. So I think we're almost exclusively invitation only this next trip I'm doing. Uh, which really is an amazing turnaround, and we're getting close to people like uh, Tony Robbins as well—not Tony in particular—but uh, you know, getting one step away from that. So it's been a very inspiring experience that way.
0: No, oh, that's awesome.
1: So mm. well,
0: let's see what's next for you, Tim Levy. Well, that's
1: an interesting question.
0: Uh, I happen to have it up on the wall. <laughs>
1: uh, well, uh, let me see. Um, firstly, what is clear to me is that uh, this book, which, you know, in many ways I wrote out as a favor to friends, uh, and I really did it. I, I decided to take a year off between season two and season three of the TV show and, and take some time and be a, among my family a little bit, a bit more because I'd missed some stuff the year before with, you know, you can imagine traveling for all the episodes mm-hmm. and everything's in a different city and so forth. So I thought I'd take a year out. Uh, what I found is that. Uh, in working with people as this book 's come about and i 've been working people with people more uh, doing the, the process with them and so forth I, I really like it i 'm addicted to the results of, of of i guess what I call magnitude change and again, I read your page as like it 's like i 'm reading my own profile in a way I just i love it 's so satisfying when you take a person from wherever they are to so much closer to where they want to be, even just the clarity, let alone working with them longer term. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really keen to sort of build that into something. Uh, uh, people have, have basically found me and approached me to become partners in different capacities. So there's going to be like eight parts to this business now. We're going to have half of it out of Sydney and half of it most likely out of Austin. And uh, in fact, I'm back there in a month with my wife just to show her the town with the intention that we might, uh, you know, spend more of our time over there. Uh, so what's next is possible to move back to the States with the family and, and really build this thing and really grow this thing uh, in response to what people have been asking. Um, I would be shocked if there wasn't more television in my future. <laughs> uh, already we've had some, some great uh, thoughts there and some interest there. I had this notion, and uh, it was while I was in the States this last time, where there are a lot of parts of the States that have been quite deeply affected by recession. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess New York is not one of them but if you've spent any time I guess there's parts of Carolina and uh, Detroit and Memphis and so on that have really been rocked And, and I guess the way it's been pitched to me is that they have absolutely lost connection with hope. They're in a place of despair and just total fog. It's just like, you know, just disaster zone stuff. And I've been invited to a couple of those places to speak and also to see if I can come run the process with uh, some educators, some politicians and so forth. So I love the idea of doing uh, maybe a sort of a documentary series where we go run the Life Summit process with people who most need it, you know, and uh, see what we can't do to encourage, you know, that movement from despair to hope, from fog to clarity, Uh, and see if we can bring a little bit of that magic where it's really most needed. I mean, I work with clients who can afford thousands of dollars a day, but what about people who can't? So um, I'm really interested in doing that. Uh, We're looking into that now. We're sort of looking into the funding. So if you know anyone who knows anyone (laughs) who would like to be a a secret benefactor, well, you know, I'm in the market for that right now, so please let them know.
0: Yeah, I'm involved with various uh, people who are... um are the types of people who support those kinds of things. So that's possible. Really? Sure. You know,
1: I, that's, I, I, I really would love that. I would just genuinely love an opportunity to go do that. And whereas in my past TV stuff, you know, it's a process of several years as you go pitch in the big markets and get the networks on board, and the whole thing takes a long time, I just want to get in there. I mean, the, the, the time for action on this is now. The people are, that I'm talking to are in need right now. And I love the idea I could just go do that. Um, for me, all the issues around crew and TV and all that stuff are incredibly easy and solvable. Um, it's just finding, uh, uh, yeah, a patron, a mystery patron to come on board and say, that just sounds worthwhile, go do it. And, uh, and I'm looking for that right. So that's in the immediate future as well, I hope.
0: By the way, is a is TV show that you do uh, something that can be watched over here? It never broadcast
1: in the States, mm-hmm. um, so it was only on uh, cable in Australia and Channel 9, all the episodes. What I did do is I put a little promo, uh, like a two minute piece on the site. So if you go, I'm just having a look now actually, but if you go to thelifesummit.com, let me see, can you do that right now at the same
0: time? The Life I can. Summit. Here we go, technology.
1: Right. <clears throat> thelifesummit.com, and, and I think I put it in my bio, uh, a link to the Oh, in fact, you can just go straight to the YouTube channel. So right at the top on the right of the very front page, it just says YouTube. And that's sort of the channel where we've got half a dozen little bits of video from my past. And in fact, I think the one that turns up straight away is the Groove Delicious MIPCOM promo. And that was for Season 3 of Groove Delicious The Life Unlimited, which is where we basically took this technology we're talking about Mm -hmm. and applied it in real time to children. So we made kids into rock stars and pirates and spaceship captains, but we did it for real. So we actually, you know, took a nine-year-old kid and got her, uh, her single recorded in three hours. We got her on the radio, on the air on Australia's, uh, sorry, Sydney's uh, top network for that, you know, within the course of 10 hours. So we would do real-time life dreams. Wow. Um, which was really cool fun. So
0: the only issue
1: was that the third season was getting too big because the 26 cities were no longer going to be in Australia. <laughs> they were going to be all over the world. I'm like, I need a break. But uh, the intention is to get back to that uh, uh, possibly uh, in the coming years, but I'm just having too much fun doing the live Summit right now, so I'll get back to it at the right time. But you can, can you see the clip there? As it come up in front of you okay?
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, I, I turned my sound off because I'm
1: on the radio. There but, you go. Uh, so you can, you can see me goofing can, around with large yeah. numbers of children. Uh, with my improv and comedy background, uh, uh, I love doing live stuff with large groups of kids, except when they come after me with foam axes which as I'm looking at the first frame of that was shot uh, at the um, the Cub Scout, uh, big Cub Scout day where there were like 8,000 Cub Scouts uh, at the Sydney Olympic Park. And uh, they were doing this thing where they were impersonating Vikings and I got absolutely gutted by these kids with their foam axes that
0: day. (laughs) Well, Tim, guess what? what? We have one minute left in our show and I would like to thank you so very much. I, I wish we had more time. And, uh, and you can learn more about Tim Levy at www.thelifesummit.com. And I know you said you have a Facebook fan page. Absolutely. So let's if we can find you there. the site,
1: just thelifesummit.com. The everything's connected to the front page of the site. Yeah, please. Absolutely. Awesome.
0: So thanks so much, and thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with my guest, Francine Silverman, and have an outstanding next seven days. Good night, everyone.